I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 341. And today on the show, I am joined by Dan Johnson to discuss his very exciting, although very long delayed decision to finally leave the promised land of Iowa to experience a deer hunt in the great state of Michigan. All right, welcome to the Wired Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Onyx. Today, I got my man Dan Johnson with me for uh, for much need to catch up. Um, the main thing I want, or at least the main thing I think I want to talk about today, is an exciting thing. It's like a fun, happy thing that I am stoked that we're finally talking about after years and years and years and years and years. <laughs> <laughs> but <Woo>! yeah <laughs> but before we before we dive into that which which folks listening will know what i'm referring to now by the title of this podcast but uh, before that we're recording this on wednesday march 18th this is going to come out a week from now so who knows what the world's going to be like seven days from now when people are listening to this but i can tell you that right now dan stuff's pretty weird, pretty different than the world we were living in about a week ago. Um, how are you, how are you doing? How are you and the family doing? Well, Mark, we're, uh, we're just getting by, you know, I mean, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of hard over here. All right. I know that you're kidding. Cause in Iowa, <laughs> you're pretty well sheltered from what is, closed, is serious for a lot of people. I know it is. I know it is. They've closed everything in Iowa. Bars, restaurants. They've closed school for four weeks. Uh, rumor has it they're going to just close schools down for the rest of the year, yeah. going right into into summer. Um, and I'm sure that's the same way it is everywhere, right? We're yeah, pra- we're practicing our social distancing. We are trying to wash our hands as much as possible. But uh, you know how little kids are, and they're touchy feely, and you know. It's going to be one of those things where if one of us gets it, all of us are going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like with kids, it's it's inevitable. The, the one blessing of this whole thing seems to be that kids are not in fact, not impacted nearly as much as, as other groups of people. So when it very, when it very, the first time I started paying attention to it 
the first thing that came to my mind was what about my son who's, you know, just a right. month old and that kind of right. stuff. That was really scary at first. But knowing that at least there's a little bit of solace and that our kids will probably be okay, that gives me a little peace of mind. But it's it's pretty crazy stuff out there, man. And I mean, none, none of us have ever seen anything like this before. No, man. And it, it, what really sucks is that the voices that need to be heard aren't necessarily the ones that have the microphone at this point, I feel like, right. I mean, we need to have scientists and professionals talking and not, and, and then, then there's people like, I don't know, I don't want to say a name, but there is people out there who get their information from social media. And that's the, that's the gospel. It's like, Oh my God, I have to boil my bed sheets. This is crazy. (laughs) You know, like, or some, you know, just the craziness of it all and watching people not even like my dad goes to the grocery store. He lives by himself. No meat, no produce at his local grocery store in a town of a thousand, twelve hundred people. Yeah, man, I'll tell you what, it's a good time to be a hunter or angler or a forager mm-hmm. because uh, we at least have a good store of food uh, that maybe a lot of people don't have. So yeah. I, I wonder and I hope I don't think it will get to this because it sounds like supply chain will be eventually figured out and and I hope it doesn't get to this, but I wonder if there will come a time when we hunters need to think about sharing our stores of meat with people. If it gets to the point that, that folks can't get red meat, I wonder if we will need to rally the troops and do something like that. I don't know if we'll get to that point. I hope not, but if we do, maybe that's something that we can help with, you know? Let's, let's, let's talk about some of like the dark thoughts that are in your head at the moment, because obviously we're all playing by the rules right now. I mean, I watch videos online of people fighting over toilet paper in the grocery stores, like little, literally fist fighting over toilet paper. It's nuts. Right. So, you know, I've seen the movie Mad Max, right? (laughs) Those post-apocalyptic movies where people are all in hiding and, and they, you know, they're scavenging and it's every man for themselves. But, you know, you think about that just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. Like if shit got real, am I prepared for, for that? And, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I think me and my family could get by for quite a while based off of common you, sense and yeah. food supply. You have, you have the leather and metal studded like vests <laughs> and headgear. S and M, right? Basically just straight S and M wear. Have your Mad Max apparel ready. <laughs> yeah, my, my wife leads me around in a choker all day. <laughs> have you seen that, those movies, the most recent oh. one? Oh, the most recent one, yeah. But remember, I'm an '80s baby, so I've seen all the originals. So the originals, okay. I haven't seen the originals. I just saw the newest one, but that's some pretty wild stuff. I hope it doesn't get to that. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, man. Um, I try. I've been trying to keep a level head on everything and not panic at all, but at the same time, take it serious. Yeah. Um, and like you said, you really gotta uh, sort the wheat from the chaff. I guess is what they say, mm-hmm. right? You need to learn how to. Learn who to listen to, who are the experts, uh, how do you ignore the noise and the conspiracy theories, but pay attention to the stuff that does matter. So, I mean, I'm I'm paying attention to the scientists, to the CDC, to the World Health Organization, to, you know, doctors like uh, Tony Fauci, I think, who has led uh, led the whole fight on HIV back in the 80s and epidemics like that. Uh, this guy knows what he's talking about, so I'm, li- I'm listening and, and taking what he has to say to heart. 
Um, and those folks are saying like, if we do not take this serious, this thing is unprecedented. So I'm, I'm taking it serious, but at the same time, not, not trying to lose sleep over it and not trying to stay positive, trying to, you know, be a good dad, be a good husband, be whatever I can be. Um, cause you can't change the situation around us. All you can do is change what you personally are going to do and how you react to it. So, um, but you can't help, but I was talking to Doug Darren about this last week. Um, it's really hard not to get sucked into it and like checking mm-hmm. your phone all the time. There's just endless stream of updates and this is happening. Now this is happening. Now this is happening. It's, it's like watching a crazy apocalyptic drama kind of TV show on Netflix, but I'm watching it in real time on my phone. Yeah. Um, and it's hard not to get addicted to that, but it's, I don't think it's healthy probably to do oh, what yeah. I've been doing. It's, um, I've been trying to shake it and like put my phone away and not see it for half the day or something just to somehow disconnect. Cause I don't think it's probably good for us to just binge that nonstop and, yeah. and stress about it. So my sister-in-law is a nurse. My mother is a nurse and I have like a couple of my best friends are in medical fields. So yeah, I watch the news and I, I'm typically off my phone for a majority of the day, but I'm getting my information from them because I feel like when shit starts hitting the fan with them, then it's just a matter of a day until the rest of the world, you know, the rest of the shit hits the fan. So like, you know, my, my my sister-in-law, she's telling me, you know, just follow, do what the CDC is telling you to do, you know, wash your hands, you know, stay six feet apart. Um, you know, obviously, my wife isn't going to work. I work from home. My kids are not going to school as of now for four weeks. So it's basically just uh, keep everybody's heads on level at this point. Yeah, that's that's all we can do. Um, how's it going so far with your wife at home, the kids at home? There's a ton of people. I was talking to, to my buddy Ben O'Brien about this the other day that I've been basically living the uh, self-quarantine, work-from-home-with-kids lifestyle for years and right. years now. <laughs> everyone's yeah. now just joining the party with me. Um, what's it been like for you guys with everyone there in the house? Are you guys able to get anything done? Has it been a mess? What's, yeah, it's, what's going on? It's a little frustrating. Um, it's a little frustrating for me because instead of having uh, Monday through Thursday, I typically get about three hours to work in the morning where I can throw on cartoons or I can, I can like kick a ball while I'm sending emails and, and my son will run and get it. My youngest son, (laughs) you know, basically playing fetch with him (laughs) and keeping, keeping him occupied. Now everybody's home. My wife is home. She's still working full time. Right. But now from home. So while we record this, she's doing work, but watching three kids and you know, like yesterday, Yesterday and the day before were really nice outside, so we spent a lot of time outside. But today it's an all-day rain, so today's going to be a a really test of what the next four weeks are going to be like. Yeah, man. Um, so you've been working from home now for almost a year, right? Yep, it's been a year, dude. Yeah, it's been over a year. So that's amazing. Congratulations again on making it through your first year. That's badass. Stressful um, as shit. Yeah, I guess this might be more stressful right now. Is that is that something you're feeling too right now? Well, before this whole outbreak, right? So I would say sometime in early February, 
No, it was actually early January when, you know, I, you're getting close to this goal. You know, I, I said to myself, Hey man, if I can make it through year one by myself doing this thing and still supporting the family and, you know, cutting ends in certain places, I could, man, I can, I can make it work for year two for sure. Yeah. Right. And year three, cause it, you know, the, the company and, and the content are just continuing to grow at that point. And I, I'm doing it and it's, it's great, but man, there have been some points along the road. And I actually had a conversation, um, with, uh, Chad Sylvester of Exodus trail cameras. Yeah. We, did a, we did an episode and it's, it was basically about this. Right. And it's just the financing, some resentment, you know, balancing work and life when you're working from home. Um, and then, you know, going on hunts is now a tax write off. Right. Yeah. And it's somewhat business related and people, some people still don't see it that way. So it's just this constant yin yang, give and take balance at the house to make sure everybody's taken care of. I'm getting what I want. I'm getting the money that I need to support the family. And, uh, I don't know. It's man. I tell you what finance, the finance part of it is the biggest hurdle. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. I know that that's something that when it's all on you, um, and there's no safety net yeah. with a company, you know, sending you paychecks week by week, that's, it takes on a whole different level of significance. Um, so Props to you, man, for making it to year one. That's a big deal. That's awesome. Yeah. So like, like they say in the record company, right? Your freshman album, right? You could come out and you could be a rock star, but the sophomore album turns you into a legend, right? So I got to make sure that year two is greater than year one. You know what I mean? So you got to, I just got to keep building. Same, same with you. It's like every year you got to come out with something new and unique in order to transcend to that next year you know, keep all eyes on you because let's face it, what we do is all about attention, mm-hmm. right? We want people to view our content so we can make money off of it. And so, you know, it is what that whole thing is. Yeah. If you're not growing and evolving, you're losing. That's, right. that's, that you always have to be growing. So right. I trust, I trust and believe that you, uh, you've got a hell of a great path ahead of you, buddy. So yeah. just, Real quick, you know, everybody, please keep an eye out for nine finger adult videos. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's that's Dan's next step in this sophomore album is going to be very different. (laughs) Going from the hunting industry right into the adult industry. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'm sure that industry is going to be doing very well right now with all the home courts and stuff. Anyways, moving on. Trust me. Trust me, Mark. (laughs) Moving on. Um Working from home, though, I, I want to spend like two minutes just on this because I feel like there's a lot of people listening now that are all of a sudden working from home that haven't, and they're working home with their wives at home, too, and their kids at home, too. Um, I've been, like I said, I've been doing this a while, and it I don't know if it's useful or helpful at all, but a few things that I've done that have helped me here, I thought I'd just share a few couple tips when it comes to this whole work from home lifestyle with kids and all that. Um, it's been like a, a process for us to figure out how to do that because I work from home. My wife works from home. We both work full time and we don't send our kids to daycare. So we have our kids here too. Um, so when it comes to just like being effective from work from home lifestyle, one thing that helped me a lot was 
waking up before everybody else does. So I try to wake up uh, about two hour, hour to two hours before when the rest of the family wakes up. When they wake up is the variable part. But I'm getting up at six and they get up between seven, seven thirty, something like that, um, which gives me a little time to get my morning workout in to get a little bit of prep work on at the computer done, a few things like that. And just like starting my day on my own, my own time, no one bothering me. That's a great thing. Um, I, I, I wish I could get up earlier. I'm just not a good early morning person, but maybe someday I'll have to start getting up at like five. So I've got more time to do that before everybody else. But that's been a helpful thing. Um, and that routine has been something that really helped. When I first started working from home, I don't know what it was like for you, Daniel, to tell me, but when I start, first started working from home back in 2013, it was this novelty. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to wake up when I wake up and I'm going to work all day in my pajamas. And if I want to go do this thing, I'm going to go do that thing. Um, and I just kind of dicked around for a little bit because all of a sudden you could. Uh, but I quickly realized that did not lead to me being very effective. So what does work is is still having a daily routine, still acting like I'm going into an office. So like I said, I've got a set wake-up time. I get like a morning workout in. I get some morning journal stuff done, just kind of outlining my goals for the day, what would make today a success, and things like that, just to kind of prep my day. Um, get a shower and put on real people clothes. I, I used to just work all day in my pajamas, and I just feel like a schmuck, and I acted like a schmuck, and I worked like a schmuck. If I put on regular pants and a real shirt and look like a normal person, I feel like I can act and work a lot better. It's a little thing, but I really do think it makes a difference just like your mindset um so that's helped a lot and then with the whole kid thing what my wife and i have had to do is we um we split the days so every day my wife will work a half shift with the kids and i'll work a half shift with the kids and then we flip-flop who gets the morning shift versus the afternoon shift um so that for half the day you got just you in your own office doing your work without any interruptions and then for the second half of the day, you are responsible for the kids and still trying to work. Um, and so that half of the day is less great. Um, so if you've got the afternoon shift, that's when our when Everett's got his big nap. So he'll sleep for two or three hours. So you can still have a really good time of work. But if he's awake, then it becomes a challenge. Um, so that's what we've done. We flip-flopped. And your day isn't as great as it'd be if you had eight, nine hours completely without interruptions. So you do have to work nights sometimes. You do have to get up early and work in the morning sometimes. You really have to relish those nap times. Um, but I can still get a whole lot done doing that. Um, and we do have my mother-in-law does come sometimes a couple times a week to help too. That's a great help. Um, those are a couple simple things that we've done that have helped. I don't know, Dan, what about you? What, uh, any quick tips on working from home, working with the kids, uh, getting stuff done while everyone's all around you? Yeah. So my wife has what I would call a quote unquote real job, right? So my schedule for the most part is flexible unless I have something scheduled that's, you know, important. Um, but when she has a work meeting, I mean, she's got a work meeting. So her stuff kind of takes priority. And then I'm typically left to like last night I worked from, Oh, seven 30 after supper, you know, clean the kitchen, head upstairs here. And then I worked till, uh, 1130 last night. So I get the, I get the second shift. And then I am, if I got up any earlier than what I do now, I'd be getting like two or three hours of sleep a night. So, uh, I, it's it's very hard now to even just be alone 
in the house to get stuff done. I mean, there's times where it's my turn to watch the kids and I'm trying to multitask and I feel like a, a piece of shit because I'm on my phone, ignoring them, sending an email, replying to an email, doing some social work when they're trying to play with me and stuff like that. And what I don't want is my kids to see that and think it's okay to ignore people because you have this device in your hand now. Yeah. So I'm constantly struggling, having to tell myself, put it away. You can do this later. But you know, when you have a schedule, you know, cause you don't want to do all your social work at 11 o'clock at night, right? You don't want to make a post at 11. You want to do it throughout the day. And I don't know, it's just something that is a continuing, like I have less of a, a schedule right now other than wake up, take a shower. That's my only routine throughout the entire day. Everything else is balance and going with the flow. Sometimes just gotta, gotta make the best of the circumstances, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, the phone thing, that's tough for me too. I, yeah. I, exactly like you said, you've got to do it. It's part of your job, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying not to be locked on that thing. So I, I, I'm trying to set like hours when like it's work hours, I'll be on it. But like when I get done with my regular work hour days at five, I'll try to just set it. We've got like a kind of a, I don't know how you describe it. I guess like a bucket kind of thing on a table and I'll put the phone in there and try not to mess around with it until the kids go to bed. Um, so at least that time is, is phone free, but sometimes these are said than done. Um, what about other stuff? Lockdown, we're on lockdown. We're supposed to be avoiding groups of 10 or more. We're supposed to be staying home as much as possible, staying away from public spaces as much as possible. Uh, any recommendations for COVID-19 activities that are safe? (laughs) Uh, I mean, I feel like most anything that we do as hunters is, is a good option, right? Scouting, shed hunting, prepping trees. Yeah, man. You got any plans to do that kind of thing? Uh, not in the near future other than doing some turkey hunting. Uh, I mean, right now it's just been, you know, I'm in that limbo of post shed hunt pre turkey. And I mean, I'd love to get out and do maybe a day or two more of shed hunting on the farm where I found all of those sheds recently. Cause I didn't, I didn't go into the timber really at all and look for any, but you know, with the whole situation with everybody working from home, it's just been, if it's nice outside, I'm taking the kids outside. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yesterday we actually went onto a piece of state ground, uh, near my home and we walked some deer trails. It was kind of this big open grass, grassland, uh, area, like not necessarily CRP, but the, the grass was real short and we just went out there. Oh dad, look at deer tracks. Oh dad, look at this, look at this bug or look at this, look at this. Oh dad, look at, there's an eagle nest and just get them outside. And this is, this is actually a really good time because since this past Saturday, it's been nice out. We've done just a lot more outside and a lot less TV and a lot less video games, just more outside playing, enjoying nature, which is kind of a, I guess if you want to call it a a silver lining, that's it. Yeah. Thank goodness that we're getting into springtime. If this was going on right in the middle of winter, we'd have a lot less to do. So Mm -hmm. it's a good point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you have any other recommendations for folks trying to burn time? Book, well, uh, book ideas might not be your wheelhouse. Um, Well, I mean, show ideas, got any movies you're watching, any 
shows you binge watch on Netflix, uh, <laughs> anything good like that we can suggest. So when I, when I finally do have time and I try to give myself 30 minutes to an hour, cause I, I don't know about you, but I can't just go straight to bed after I'm done working. My yep. brain's, my brain needs like a decompress yep. needs to decompress. And so I'll sit right now. I'm watching a show called snowfall. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen it. Uh-uh. It's based off of the 1980s crack ep- epidemic, how huh. uh, crack cocaine was actually introduced to uh, South Central Los Angeles and how the CIA was actually helping provide cocaine to drug dealers. It's like it's loosely based on on that. But crack cocaine was supported by the CIA back in the eighties. So is this a fictional show or this is a documentary? Oh no, it's a fictional show, but it's based off of a true story. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So because let's see, the CIA was selling drugs. The money coming in was used to buy weapons that they were flying down to um, a Southern American country and giving to those rebels to help overthrow a government. Yikes. Yeah. It's crazy. It's pretty, but it's a pretty cool show. I know there's documentaries on it uh, as well, but other than that, man, I watch one hour of TV a night these days. Man, you're bringing me down with this story of what was going on in the (laughs) eighties. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you know, the whole Ronald Reagan crack epidemic thing and, uh, it's it's a really cool. It's a really exciting. It's a fast-paced show. It's it's kind of like a shoot 'em up gangster, you know, uh, you've have you seen Narcos? Uh-uh. You haven't you haven't watched Narcos? No. The story of Pablo Escobar? No, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Dude. Dude. There's three there's like three or four seasons of it. You definitely need to watch Narcos on okay. Netflix. Okay. Yeah. Now's the time. Yeah, I guess well, you, just don't watch a lot of TV. Um and when we do, I feel like I've been airing towards like comedy right now. Like if we're yeah. going to watch TV, I need like something that's going to give me those kinds of endorphins or whatever. <laughs> oh, dude, you want to, you want to listen to a really funny, um, God, what's her name? Fortune. I think her name is actually fortune. She's a bigger blonde, shorter, curly hair, heavy set lady who's a lesbian. And she, dude, it is, it is an hilarious stand-up hour you can find it on netflix as well i think her name's fortune something nice. i'll check that out yeah dude we did watch a stand-up special from a guy named mike berbiglia i don't know if you ever heard of him yep, yep. Uh, super funny dude and it is all about um his journey from not wanting to have kids to his wife con- convincing him to have a child to then the whole process of his wife being pregnant and what that was all like and then what the first year was with the baby uh, something that <laughs> I know you and I can both relate to a lot right now. So that's another yeah. good one. It's called the new one. Yeah. Uh, really good stuff. So, so I also have to tell you what else I've been doing lately to, you know, when I do have time, well, I, I kind of, I'm in a way making time whenever I'm uploading a file or downloading a file or waiting for something to load or, you know, maybe I'm on the toilet or whatever. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. those, those moments are Spare spent, moments. Yeah. Are spent straight up e-scouting. Nice. Uh, I, whether it's my home farm, whether it's Michigan, whether it's South Dakota, whether it's, you know, some other States, cause there is a very small chance that I go to Wisconsin 
maybe to do a turkey hunt right on the Mississippi River. Nice. So, uh, just been doing a lot of getting on Onyx and just scouting. Well, that's a perfect segue, dude. You just said the magic word. Yeah. It's been years in the making. It's been a dream of mine. It's been on my every every year I set these goals for the year and then for my five-year goals. And for years now, right at the top of my list of my yearly goals <laughs> has convinced Dan Johnson to hunt Michigan. And every year it's there. Every year I check it off as not not achieved, not achieved, not achieved. <laughs> now finally, 2020, I can say Dan Johnson is hunting Michigan. There's been a commitment made. It's amazing. Yeah. How I, I I mean, we talked years. What happened? Like, how did this? Is it is it honestly the fact that you finally realized that you couldn't put off the, the verbal contract that you made five years yeah. ago or whatever? Or was it the peer pressure? Did enough people bother you about it? How did this happen? This is a hundred percent peer pressure, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> well, so we there was a little bit of a technicality when we made this agreement. If I ever am able to quit my job and go full time, well, yeah. I ne- I didn't necessarily quit. Oh, geez, I, <laughs> I laid off. I was laid off, right? So off of a technicality, I kind of pushed it off. Okay, and then I I made the mistake of putting out a post saying, "Hey, I'm not going on my elk hunt this year. Give me an over the counter state to where, you know." You, you know, where I, where I can get a tag easy, where there's a lot of public ground so I can hunt. Did you not expect that response that you got? <laughs> well, I thought everybody was going to be real, right? And <laughs> nobody was real about it. I mean, people were real, but they were just like, dude, you know, you need to go to Michigan because you made a promise. Uh-huh. And I was, you know, there were people who weren't even just commenting in that post, they were sending me direct messages saying things like, (laughs) Hey Dan, I think it would be really cool if you would hunt Michigan because, you know, you mentioned you, you know, you're full time now, like going through it, not necessarily calling me out, but just like, but sort of, yeah, giving me the, the timeline of what actually happened. (laughs) I I know the timeline, right. But people were just like, so here's what happened, Dan, you were laid off, right. You (laughs) promised Mark, you know, this, 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 and now it's time to pay up. It's almost like, (laughs) it's almost like no one really gives a shit about me. They're just minions for you. You know, (laughs) it's, it's been my plan all along, Dan. It's worked out wonderfully. Right. But Hey man, I'm getting, I, I said, you know, screw it. I'm going to hunt Michigan. And the crazy thing about this whole thing is for everybody who in the past has said Michigan is a dog shit place to hunt. I have been getting double or triple positive feedback from people saying, dude, don't sleep on Michigan. You know, if you work hard and, and you put yourself in the right position, there is a chance that you run into you know, something in the Pope and Young category yeah. or you know, a, a two or a, a decent two or three year old or even a chance at a doe. And it's it's people are offering me up their properties. People are wanting to give me spots and I'm kind of turning them down at this point because I kind of want to go in and do more of a self test yep. than rely on anybody else. Because I think me and you had a conversation. It's like, dude, I'll do scouting for you. I'll run trail cameras for you. And I'm just like, calm down. Let me yeah, just I, was, kind of, I was all excited. I was like, all right, I'm, yeah. I'm going to help out here. But, but I like what you're getting at though, too. I think it's, yeah, it'd be a good personal challenge for you. Yeah. And you know, 
for me these days, it's not necessarily about walking into a piece of property and trying to kill the biggest buck that's there. I'm just down for a new experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and I think this is going to be, it's going to be an awesome learning experience for you because you have done out of state, like elk hunts and mule deer hunts, but you've never really done a fully focused, just white tail out of state hunt before. Right. Nope. Never have. Yeah. So this is going to be, this is going to be awesome. You're going to, it's going to be different, way different than Iowa. It's going to be fun. It's going to be challenging. Um, and yeah, I, you know, we talk a lot about the, I talk a lot about the challenges of Michigan, but it is by no means a dog shit place to hunt. Like that's, it's a, it's a great spot. There's, there's good deer. There's good opportunities. Um, I mean, you can, if anyone's watched my hunts over the last 10 years, you've seen that you can, you can see some nice deer and get some opportunities. Um, it's different. It's challenging in certain ways, but by no means is it impossible or, or not fun or not rewarding or any of that stuff. So, uh, yeah, dude, I'm curious though, given what you've heard from people recently, given, you know, you following my stories and stuff over the last almost 10 years now, um, what kind of expectations and goals do you have for it? So, so I guess maybe, maybe we should rewind. First off, what's the plan? Like, when are you coming for how long? Yeah. Um, let's cover that. And then I want to talk expectations and goals. Yeah. So my goal, you know, obviously it's not ideal, right? But my goal is to come opening week, I believe. And I am going to, honestly, I think, let me pull up October here on my calendar. Uh, August, September, October. All right. So, uh, October 1st is a Thursday. So I think I might come, I might drive up on Tuesday, the 29th and scout Wednesday before the season opens Yep, and then hunt to, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, a three day hunt and drive back on Sunday. So I'm back late, late Sunday night. Okay. So I think that might be the the goal there, um, expectation wise, public ground, Michigan, you know, it's not Iowa, obviously. So I think I'm just, I'm going to, I'm not going to put any expectations on myself. If it comes down to last hunt last day, and there's a doe standing at 10 yards, 20 yards from my stand, I'm sending an arrow her way. I guarantee that I would love to walk away from that with something. And I think that, uh, that would be a great, you know, in a way it'd be a a great success. Oh yeah. Now what about a buck? What's it going to take to send an arrow at a buck? Let's say day one versus day four or three or whatever it is, man. I have to, I have to answer that question by asking you a question, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, I have the luxury of hunting in a state that is known for a higher age class. It's known for big antlers. It's, you know, I talk about that a lot. I talk about how, you know, I pass this deer, but the, the playing field necessarily isn't the same in Michigan. So if a, I don't, I don't necessarily want to piss people off. You know, obviously I want to hunt my hunt, but if I, if I shoot a, a corn. Or if I shoot like uh, a 50 inch six pointer or whatever, I don't know. I don't know. Like I would love to, but I don't know if that would make me look bad and, and being like, oh, this dude's a hypocrite. Or if I'm, if I'm passing a three-year-old in Iowa, but I'm not passing a two or three-year-old in Michigan. I guess I see what you're saying. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I wouldn't feel bad about it. Yeah. Because everyone's got to hunt their own hunt. And when you're on yeah. an out-of-state hunt and you're just exploring a new place, and I mean, I get that. I, I would, like when I went to Minnesota last year on that hunt, very different experience. Had no idea what to expect. Knew it would be low deer densities. I was going to take whatever buck I saw. Yeah. Um, but when I'm in Iowa or when I'm hunting like the spots in Michigan that I know really well, and I've hunted for a long time, I've got different goals and expectations. So, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I would tell you that Michigan's age structure is definitely different than Iowa's big time. Uh, very, very yeah. different. Um, yeah. but it's getting better. Like from when I first started trying to target mature bucks to where it is now, it's definitely better. Like more and more people are passing on younger bucks. You're seeing older deer more often, um, but it's 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 leaps and bounds different than Iowa or Ohio or Kansas. Um, I mean, as you've heard me talk about, I would say I, I hunt a couple pretty good spots, pretty good spots for Michigan. It's not the best. It's not like thousand acre managed farms, but I've got a couple small 67. I got a couple good spots that are between 64 and 90 acres or so. And, you know, I'm seeing one to like on one property, like the back 40, right? There's one mature buck I saw um, and then got trail camera pictures of a couple others. Never saw them, but I did get pictures uh, on the other main Michigan spot I spent a lot of time on. Um, you know, I had two three-year-olds that I saw and passed on and then one buck that I thought was four. Um, of all these deer, though, nothing, I mean, if we're talking like antler size, nothing more than like 130s, mid-130s. Yeah. Um, and then another farm I hunt or another property area I hunt, you know, uh, one three-year-old, couple two-year-olds, that kind of thing. Um, so I would tell you, I think most people around here would point to a three-year-old and or Pope and Young type buck, depending on what criteria you want to look at, as being like a top tier buck. Yeah. Um, so if you somehow shot a three year old or a Pope and Young buck on your po- on your public land hunt, that'd be like a Super Bowl win. I would yeah. consider for you. That'd be huge. It'd be amazing. It'd be. It's possible. I would not. T- it's not impossible. It's totally possible. But yeah. it'd be a huge win to do that. Um, even to kill a two year old would. I'd say like, damn, that's pretty good, man. If you kill the two year old. If I walk into Michigan and kill a two or three year old, and I, I hate to put a, a a rack size on it, but at the one twenty mark, one twenty, one twenty eight pointer, I feel like that's a, that would be a win. Yeah, I would be stoked. Even if I, I mean, even for me to kill a public land hundred twenty inch type buck that's three years old, I'd be really stoked. And I live here, um, so yeah, man, I think that's totally doable. I don't know which area you're going to end up choosing, but the two areas that you and I have talked about that I know of and that I have history with, totally possible in either one of those spots. Um, So that said, you could also... I'm just jacked to play the game, man. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Yeah. You just got to be excited about the game and the process. And as long as you enjoy that, then it's all going to be good. Yeah. All right, we got to take a quick break here to thank our friends over at Lacrosse Boots. I was just out yesterday helping a friend do some scouting on a property, and the boot of choice was the Navigator Series, the Windrose boot from the Navigator Series of Lacrosse. That is their new lace-up line of boots. These are comfortable for longer hikes, for preseason work like what I was doing. Uh, Anytime you're going to be putting some miles on the boots, these are a great option. Still waterproof, still comfortable. 
still going to be able to get you into the tree if you have to or hiking in the woods, whatever kind of plan you have in place. These boots seem to be a great option. If you want to learn more about those or anything else from lacrosse, visit lacrossefootwear.com. How many people think us hunters are crazy when, especially the the hardcore guys, when we're, we're sitting, I take off the satellite imagery. Once I find a place that I want to hunt, I take off the satellite imagery and I'm just looking at lines on a screen. And I'm just like evaluating that in my head. Okay. This is how I've seen deer move through terrain. How many people are just like, dude, that that's some crazy people stuff. Well, we are crazy, Dan. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely yeah. are. Um, interestingly, the two areas we've been talking about, yeah. both of them are much hillier than almost anywhere else in Michigan. Yeah. Um, so you those if if you end up settling on one of those two areas, you're going to have more terrain features than most. Most of Michigan, at least the Lower Peninsula, is is pretty darn flat, open farm country. But those two chunks have a nice amount of topography that will funnel deer movement that will allow you to make some guesses about deer bedding based on ridges and stuff like that. That's not super common around here. Um, so that's why I think those are, those are pretty cool. Are are you, are you still thinking about one of those two or are you looking at anything different? Uh, so yes, but I found a piece and I'm really interested in this place. I'm not going to give up too much detail on it, but I think I could backdoor it. So basically here's what I'm looking at. I'll just tell you what I'm looking for. I'm obviously looking for any piece of public right now. Then I'm looking at the time of year that I'm going around. You know, I'm going to be hunting there early October. So I'm looking for an ag field that borders it, maybe a private ag field that, that borders it. Then I'm looking at access points on this piece of public where this access is. And so far I haven't found any of these giant pieces where you're walking miles and miles to get in. However, I'm looking for, uh, obstacles that I could possibly go through like streams or rivers or creeks or, or, or marsh where I can backdoor it and get something coming to one of these pieces of private ground that it's going to take some effort to just number one, get back there. So, you know, I'll be hunting a corner or, you know, off of a field edge or a fence line that may have some obstacle between the parking lot and the private ground. Right. So there's, there's these little slivers that might be hard to get to. So that's kind of what I'm looking for. And then I'm basically just leaving waypoints there so I can come back and look, look at it. That's, I think that's a good, that's a good way to approach it. Um, I think that makes sense for these kinds of spots. I know of um, some of my own hunts in some of these places and a couple of buddies that um, that exactly what you're describing has worked where finding a crop field that's got bucks in it, especially pre-opening day, and then looking back from that into the public land to try to figure out where that buck bedding area is and then backdooring in between it. Um, is exactly how a mutual friend of ours killed a nice buck on one of these pieces. And, uh, and it's how I've tried to a handful of times I've gone in there. Um, and I have seen some, you know, like possible three-year-old possible one twenty type bucks in adjacent private land fields to these places that we're talking about. Um, so they're, they're in the area, that kind of buck, um, it's just a matter of getting a swing at them. And I don't think that you're making a bad decision with that early season. Um, the rut, you know, great, but there's gonna be a bunch of hunters out there. 
I think you've got a chance to have less pressure and the deer are going to be more comfortable. That, that opening day hunt yeah. is going to be like a great, great opportunity. Um, I would swing for the fences with that first hunt, like pick your best spot probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. and go for it. Cause you've got a really good chance. I think that first day, what's the, let me, let me feel you out here. Right. Let's say there's a farmer who his property butts up next to public land, but he doesn't necessarily have any timber on it. It's all ag. From your experience, do, do people let you walk through their fields to backdoor? So I'm not necessarily, if I walk up to a door, I have a couple places like this in Iowa. Hey, I don't want to hunt your property. I just want to walk through it to get to the public. Yep. Uh, I mean, it's totally 50, 50. There will absolutely be people that will be okay with that, but so many places are bow hunted that you're going to have a whole lot of them that they say, well, I've got guys that are going to be out there hunting. I don't want to mess up their hunt. Um, but it can't hurt to ask. I, I had, I've had one person give me permission to do that. Um, others have not, but it's worth a shot. I mean, it's definitely a good idea. Are you, are you planning on, um, what's your plan as far as mornings and evenings? Are you going to hunt every chance you can, or are you going to start? What are you thinking there? I'm hunting everything. I think that's, I mean, if I was in Iowa, I probably would lay off early season mornings unless I had actual trail camera data that's telling me you need to go hunt right now. But because this is a short time frame, and the only time you can kill a deer is when you're actually in a tree stand, I'm going to hunt mornings and evenings. Yeah. I, I think, I think that's, Everything. I think that's smart. I think in, in that circumstance, I'd do the same thing. Yeah. Um, your first night, so I like, I'm really glad that you're going to come in a night beforehand and scout. Um, will you allow me to help you at least scout that night? Unless I've got something going, if I, if I can get free, I'd love to be able to provide at least a second set of eyes on a different place. So you get a oh, yeah. view of a few, a few places. Um, yeah. Cause that'd be so huge if we can find a nice buck or some deer that are on some adjacent private Yeah, that will help so much. Just helping you pinpoint where to get in at. Yeah. And I, ha- I don't know about you, but you know, I've done these elk hunts. I've done these mule deer hunts now where you're, you're constantly figuring things out as you go. But with my Iowa hunts, right? I, yes, I'm mobile, but I already know where I need to go because I've been on the property before. What I'm really excited about is this, like an early season grind, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Where it's, I'm doing the same stuff that I would do during the rut, but I'm doing it early season. There's going to be a lot more vegetation, but I think what's, what's gonna, what I'm excited about is instead of laying off on an observation hunt, I probably won't do any observation hunts. I'm going to go straight gut. I'm going to find the sign and I'm going to set up right over top of it. Not necessarily any field edges, but doing what I do in Iowa, you know, I don't hunt the field edges, go in, but just go in that much further and be aggressive on every hunt. And if I bump something, at least I, I know where this deer went and I know what, you know, whatever. Yeah. Can I, can I give you a little bit of, um, a little bit of Michigan insight. Okay. Uh, on a few things along those lines. Okay. So I'm, I'm thinking about like how you're being aggressive and going in and trying to get tight to stuff. Um, so like I said, there's not as much of the hilly country as you have in Iowa. So you're going to, depending on where, where you pick, there's going to be more 
betting, particularly buck betting, is usually going to be, I think, in the areas you're looking at, it's probably going to be on points extending into swampy stuff or islands yep. in the swamp. Yep. Um, that's usually like the best buck bed stuff around here. Um, now, you might get to a spot where there's some hilly stuff, but most of the hilly stuff around here, though, is pretty wide open. And a lot of that public land has trails along the tops of the ridges and stuff. So yep. there might be less bedding on those than you might otherwise think. Um, so not you know, I'm, I'm making generalities here, generalizations, but um, I would really focus on those swamp points and islands. That's just like dynamite buck bedding in a lot of these Michigan spots. So yeah. think about that when you when you find your food source that you like and you're trying to go back from there, backtrack from there, and th- okay, figure out where they're bedded. Look for spots like that. Um, and then the other thing I tell you is when it comes to like pressure, like there's going to be hunting pressure. There are going to be other hunters. Um, it can be variable. Like you might get out, you might get to one of these spots, especially the the first place we talked about. You might get out there and there might not be anyone there. It might be all yours. But at the same time, there might also be guys in every parking lot. I don't know. Um, I would have a minimum of three to four backup plans. Um, Like, okay, here's my spot I want to check out first. Uh, If there's people that are there, okay, then I got a plan B. Then I got a plan C. Then I got a plan D. Like I had a day last October where I literally had to go to my fourth spot for an evening hunt. I went, oh, oh, there's three guys there. Went to my number two, two guys there. Went to this one, three guys there. Hiked into a spot, ran by two other people in tree stands. Um, So so I would have like a whole list. I'd have like 10. And and just so that you never find yourself like, oh, shoot. Yeah. Where am I going to go? Um, that would be, that would be a big recommendation. So I, I like your ideas of scouting the fields the night before, uh, having a bunch of spots of backdooring them through tough to access places. I think that's smart. Um, let me ask you a question. What about, uh, are there on the Michigan public, are they allowed to drive four wheelers or trucks into it? So most all the spots that we're talking about, no. Okay. So you shouldn't have anyone driving in there on that stuff. There will be like mountain bikes though. And I don't know what the e-bike rules are, to tell you the truth. I'm unsure about that. Um, so I wouldn't worry about trucks though uh, in the spots we've looked at. Um, what else? Uh, if you're leaving up tree stands, they're supposed to be labeled with your name and information on it. That's a little thing to keep. I know you're probably going to be running and gunning, but if you decide to leave one up for a couple days for some reason, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. Um, I don't know. What other things like high level would be helpful? I don't know. What other things are you wondering about that I might be able to give you some insight to? You know, I really don't. I really don't know at this point. I, like I said, I'm, I'm still in straight up scouting mode. Um, obviously, only d- digital scouting can only, only tell you so much, but... I'm just looking for corners. I'm looking for, you know, especially inside corners, right? Where the, the property is on the outside of it and the, the field might go into the, the private or excuse me, the, the private field might go into the public and looking for those corners. Um, I've seen deer throughout the years, take advantage of those places. Um, but a lot of it has to do, you know, we'll just be straight up, um, you know, once, once I get there, once I get the boots on the ground, uh, I'll find out more information, but it's funny that you mentioned these islands and these peninsulas into marshes, because I have 
let's see, one, two, three, four points marked on this one piece of public that I've been scouting already that are exactly what you said they are. It's like a point that leads into public or a, a point that leads into a marsh. Yeah. So most of these spots that get protected as public land here in Michigan, they're, they're usually the spots that couldn't be farmed and the spots that couldn't be farmed are the wet stuff. Yeah. So a lot of the stuff that we have as public is super swampy, um, which, which is good because that's the stuff that most hunters don't want to go into. So you've got, you have the possibility to still hold some deer. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but even when I'm looking for private land to hunt in Michigan, I almost always am trying to get something with a big swamp because that is like sometimes the only place where a buck can survive gun season. So definitely key in on that. Um, oh crap. I had something I was just, uh, oh man. I knew what I was going to ask you. And I think you may have answered it in a text message, but am I allowed to pull my truck into a parking lot and sleep there overnight. Oh, yeah. So I, I actually, I didn't respond to that question cause I don't know. Um, I think the answer is probably no, actually, but okay. I'm, I'm unsure, but I do know that there are campgrounds, um, near some of these places where you can camp, but you'd have to pay the camping fee. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can point you to a couple close campgrounds to some of these places that, uh, Oh, I know what I was going to tell you. Um, let me write this down before I forget. <laughs> um, yeah. So camping options are relatively close to some of those places that we talked about. And also if you are hunting in some spots that are kind of close to me, like I told you, you're always welcome to camp at my place too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so the th other thing I was thinking about, this is kind of a hot tip that I use a lot here in Michigan. Um, it just takes some legwork that most people probably don't want to do. But in Michigan, we're very dependent on other folks managing with similar with a similar mindset to get to the point to have some older bucks and bigger bucks. So mm -hmm. the good spots in Michigan are usually good because either no one's allowed to hunt around it or B, there's a bunch of landowners or a bunch of like-minded people that have all decided to pass on younger deer. Um and so in Michigan, we have, I think, the highest number of QDMA co-ops in the nation. So co-ops, as, as you know, Dan, are these groups of landowners that decide, hey, we're all going to kind of manage our deer hunting, our deer populations somewhat similarly. And we're all going to work to try to pass on year, year and a half olds or two and a half year olds or, or whatever it is. Um, so there's a bunch of these scattered all around the state. And something that I've done when trying to hunt public land around here or trying to find new private land to hunt is try to find pieces that are close to those or adjacent to those or in that zone where there's a better chance than otherwise that people are passing on younger deer. Um, right. So I would look up QDMA co-ops, find out where some of those are and see if there's any that are near public land that you can hunt. Um, another thing I do that's kind of creepy, but I do it. I did this when I was trying to find the back 40 property to, to buy that. And then also when I'm looking for just places to ask permission or anything, I would, you know, Google the area and names of people that own land around there or hunters and look on Facebook or look on Google and try to see if people have posted pictures of deer they've shot around there or if there's been a news article about the big buck that was shot around here uh, or if there's a buck pole picture for the QDMA co-op in that area. Different things like that can just give you an idea like, oh, yeah, this area is pretty decent or, oh, wow, 
this property that's right next to that piece of public land, that dude posted a picture of two four-year-olds he shot last year. That's interesting. Um, I would Basically Facebook stock. Yeah, Facebook, Instagram, Google stock these areas. Um, it's it, it really can help. Um, I think that's something that is worth doing if you're trying to come in and find a new place, figure out if it's worth spending some time. Um, now, I can tell you based off my own previous stocking that the two areas we've talked about have potential for those reasons um but you might find some other spots similarly to that too so that's something for you to keep in mind and for other people in other states whatever i mean i think that's something you could do anywhere um and help a little bit yeah i don't know man i'm just you know every time whether it's a an elk hunt or a mule deer hunt or now this hunt i just keep going back to the excitement of planning I don't like if, if there was another job out there other than doing what I'm doing, I think it would help people plan hunts. Right. And just, or like, fun. you know, like, Hey man, um, I'm going to, going to draw an Iowa tag. I, I want public ground or I'm going to draw this state. I help them go out and achieve that. Like kind of what this conversation is right now. Right. I think that would be so cool just to, all right. So, uh, uh, I'm looking at this terrain right here. You might want to do this and this, 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 you know, Hey, this guy does this, whatever. I, I don't know. It's funny you mention that. Cause honestly, like I have this boost of excitement because I'm getting to do that with you right now. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I right. totally get what you're saying. Cause that is so much fun. Um, yeah. Hey, speaking of camping places, what's your plan? Like camping setup? Are you going to do a tent? Are you going to sleep out of your truck? Are you uh, bringing a camper? What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I'll probably, uh, I got a topper on my truck, so I think I'm just going to stuff all my stuff in the back and, you know, cook my meals inside the cab. And if it's nice out, you know, be outside. If I go to a campground, I'm still going to, I'm going to bring my tent with me just in case. But I think just camping out of my truck is the best, you know, sleeping in the back is just going to be the best thing because I don't have to set up or tear down anything. Just wake up, eat my breakfast, get after it. Yeah, man, that's, that's my favorite too. I think that's, it's, you're so mobile that way. You're not stuck in any place. So when you set up the tent and not that I don't do this sometimes, but when you set up the tent, you're a little bit burdened or you're a little bit locked in. Like you just have this new feeling like, Oh, I don't really want to tear down all this stuff and go to a new place. But when it's always in your truck, if stuff isn't going good after a day and a half or two days, you're like, whatever, let's just go to the next spot. Yep. Um, there's nothing holding you down. So I like that truck camper camping lifestyle for this kind of hunt. Um, yeah. So, so that, and just, you know, other than the potential to maybe have some electricity at some point, you know, like, I don't know, charge my Ozonics or, I don't charge my phone or something like that. I might, I might take you up on, I don't know your your garage or something like that, but yeah, yeah. other other than that, man, I I think it's pretty self sufficient, especially on that time frame. You know, really just three days, I'll I'll be able to have a cooler of food that that'll last me, uh, deer salami and cheese, and maybe a couple beers and water, and I don't necessarily need to take a shower. You know, just like kind of a Western hunt, and yeah. just well, go for it. I I love it. I love it. That's a lot of fun. I'm going to, I'll, I'll bug you to use my shower and to eat good food if you're willing to take it. But I also <laughs> fully support your dirtbag uh, lifestyle choices too. <laughs> right. There, you, you know how it is though. There's, there's, 
something about going out and doing it all by yourself. I totally get it. That it's not like I don't want to hang out with people, but I, I just want to, I don't know. There's this, this solitude that we all kind of, and, and not the quarantine solitude, but like the, <laughs> the by the, choice solitude, right? Just like go out and be closer to nature and be by ourselves. And I don't know. It's like, I, I long for that kind of thing. I hundred percent right there with you. What do you think we should do as far as covering this? Um, I feel like we should do at a minimum, a pre hunt podcast and a post hunt podcast. Yeah. But I wonder if we should do like a daily breakdown. I'm sure you're going to do your own thing, but I wonder if we could do some stuff together kind of to, to capture it in a special way. I think what we should do is the day that I come into Michigan, I'm going to, I'll go scout or we can go scout together or whatever. Then we do a podcast after we do like a, a morning or afternoon of scouting. Yep. Okay. We do that. And maybe halfway through the hunt, we can do a touch base. And then after the three days, we do a full one. Yeah. That works for me. I'm, uh, I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be awesome. And, uh, I gotta, I, I don't know. There's, there's nothing I enjoy. There's few things I enjoy more than when you've got a group of buddies that are all out hunting and then someone has some success and then you get the phone call and everyone's got to come out and help track or help yeah. with whatever it is like that group, that, that excuse for some camaraderie during hunting season is like my, one of my very favorite things. Absolutely. How far does further live from you? About an hour, an hour. Okay. Yeah. So he definitely is in, in range. Um, and you know, our buddy, Andy may our buddy, Andy Bradley, uh, Dusty, Corey, all those guys are right in this general zone. So you'll, uh, we're going to have to bug you at least one night with beers in the campfire or something. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm up for, I'm up for just about anything, man. I, I, uh, I don't know. I'm, uh, it's just another hunt to get excited about. You know, uh, one thing to keep in mind, this is a little bit of a jump from stuff to be excited about, but something you will have to take into account if you do shoot a deer, you know, we've got CWD regs here yeah um so if you shoot a buck you're gonna have to cape it out and either drop everything off at a taxidermist if you end up wanting to do a mount i mean if you shoot some huge old gagger buck and you want to get them mounted you'll have to drop it off at a taxidermist here in um within the county because you can't cross out of the cwd counties to uh to do that um or you can cut off the antlers and remove all the brain tissue, all tissue and stuff off it. So you just have the skull plate and the antlers. You can take that out yep. and you can take deboned meat out. Um, but otherwise you'd have to do it within the little cu- couple County region. Yeah. Um, deal with all that. Yeah. If I shoot a deer, I'd probably just debone it all right there. Um, can I have it processed out of state? Like I can take all the meat out of off the bone. Yep package it and then i can take it back to iowa and use my yes my process okay yep so if you debone everything um you're good you'll just have to it it would be a good idea to get it tested um that'd be like the smart thing to do would be to drop off the head or stop at a check station where they can remove the uh, lymph nodes to get tested just to be on the safe side um and to kind of do our part for uh citizen science 
Yep. Um, but then, yes, you could you could take the skull cap and the antlers, and you could take the boneless meat and uh, take off with all that stuff, and you'll be good to go. All your deer get tested? Yep. I'm doing testing for, for everything now. Any positive nope. hits? No positive. Yet. Okay. Um, so in the county that I'm in, uh, there's not been a positive yet, but there's a county adjacent to us where there is positives. Um, Got you. So um, one of the spots you and I have talked about, should be pretty far from where the CWD stuff is. Mm-hmm. One of them is a little bit closer. Um, but neither one of them, neither one, I think, is in a county yet. It's They're both adjacent. Gotcha. Um, but still smart to just be safe. Yep, absolutely. Um, but yeah, it's it's a little bit of a added regulation, but it's not a huge inconvenience. The whole process is really easy. I've done it multiple times now. You just... If it's a doe, you just head in there, you cut the head off, put it in a bag, put it in a box, and fill out a quick form. And Or there'll be people there that can help you do all that. Sometimes it's just a drop station. Sometimes there's people there to help you with all that stuff. It takes less than five minutes. So yeah. not a big deal at all. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, yeah, so Michigan, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm going to keep doing my... Uh, uh, Obviously, I love talking to people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing my digital scouting and anybody who's listening out there who, you know, I, I'm not looking for places to hunt necessarily. I can do that on my own, but I just love communicating with people who, let's say, hunt Michigan and have maybe tips and tricks about, you know, like this, this whole marsh hunting is new to me because I don't hunt very many marshes here in Iowa. Most of it's either if it's wet, it's a river bottom type ground. Right. Yeah. So just talking strategy with people or, you know, Hey, don't, maybe there's a, a regulation that I need to know about or something, you know, just like, just like an op- open conversation with people is, you know, more than welcome. Well, uh, I'm sure you'll get a lot of help from people. I'm, I know a lot of folks are excited to, uh, to welcome you to the land <laughs> of the, I don't know what it is. It's not the land of the giants. It's the land of the of the some opportunity. We'll call well, it. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, when I think of, when I think of Michigan, I think of a, a state that has a deep tradition yes. in hunting and fishing. Um, uh, then another state that comes to mind right off the top of my head is Wisconsin, right? So I think of Michigan as people who love to hunt and fish and take advantage of all these opportunities that we have in front of us and who are sportsman at heart and I'm excited to go hunt where these people hunt. Yeah. The only regret I have about this is that I wish you could get up to our Northern Michigan deer camp and experience yeah. that. Cause that, that is the essence of Michigan hunting yeah. tradition up there, getting out in the deep, in the big woods. It's totally different up there. Yeah, the, the cabin in the middle of nowhere and the wall of little tiny antlers and the wood burning stove. That is, uh, that is super cool. So how far is Ken Roven from where you live? How many hours North of that? Three and a half hours North. Okay. So not, that's not too terrible. It's not too terrible. If you, if you tag out early and you want to just go for a day trip and check it out, we should do it. Yeah. I, uh, no, no, let me ask you this. I love food. And so Iowa is known for the big fat pork tenderloins, right? Like they're as big as your plate and they give you like a, a little bun basically. And it, <laughs> okay. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? I don't know if I do. Oh buddy. 
then you haven't really hunted Iowa. I guess not. If you haven't taken advantage of the of the pork, the Iowa pork. Tenderloin. See, I, I've always done like fish fries and stuff is like the special meal I get out there. Yeah, the I can remember that uh, we went. What was that like the all you could eat catfish? Yes. Dinner that yes. one night we there. It's but amazing. I'm talking. I'm talking about like Iowa is known because we have a huge pork producing community. Iowa is known for these big giant pork tenderloins it's a sandwich right it's like so like big breaded kind of thing breaded, right? yeah, yep, yeah, yeah big breaded pork tenderloin what is michigan known for Ooh, ah it's a great question so northern michigan like the up has a thing that's definitely like i can point to right away it's called a pasty you ever heard of a pasty uh-uh it is like a oversized calzone kind of or a okay. empanada so it's like a pastry that is filled with meat and potatoes and rutabaga and other vegetables and like a gravy. And it's sealed inside this pastry. Um, that is like a upper peninsula tradition. Um, but lower peninsula, gosh, we're kind of, kind of milk toast. <laughs> we're just kind of, you know, just standard Midwest fare, lots of greasy fried bar food. Um, Man, I'm sure someone's going to be like, how did you forget about this? Right, right. I'm blanking on what our special food is. I don't know. So I don't know why I'm thinking of, I think of this, but I just imagined you and your crew up in the cabin during the uh, November gun season eating a, like just passing around a jar of pickled eggs. (laughs) Yeah. You know, that's the kind of thing my uncle would bring up there. (laughs) Totally. So yes, that kind of thing could definitely fit into a Northern Michigan vibe. Um, man, I'm, I just feel like I'm letting you down here, not being able to think of what our traditional food is, but, um, maybe, maybe it's just, it's, it's anything, but just the quantity is lots of it. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's our tradition. Um, we will have to think about this and come back and have some kind of traditional good meal at some point. Someone um, will, somebody will tell me about it. Yes. Just from listening to this. Someone yeah. will be like, Mark Canyon is a dipshit. <laughs> our, our state food is this. Yeah. Please, please inform me as well. So I never make this mistake again. <laughs> You're letting Michigan down. Mark. I know it. Well, uh, it's not the first time, Dan. <laughs> All right, man. Well, is there anything else, uh, on your mind about the Michigan hunt that we should cover off on or any other questions or not really. Um, I do want to, you know, I know you don't want to put any pressure on it, but I do want to stop and just take a look at the back 40. Oh yeah. Uh, see what the hype is about. Uh, not necessarily drive through it or hunt it. I just want to take a look and see just like the terrain. Yeah. Right. For sure. That's a great idea. And yes, it's not so far away that we can't scoot over there and, you know, we could probably do a little drive around some of the edges and pull a camera or something like that that I'd want to do anyways and give you a view of it too. So what's nice about it is is it's in one of those other one of those rare places that has a little bit of a hill to it. So you can like get a nice little vantage and see across parts from a few locations, which uh which you can't do in most areas. So I'm excited for you to see it. I'm excited I'm just excited to kind of show my little neck of the woods to you since I've got to spend so much time over by your stuff. Um, it's going to be fun to get to return the favor. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm jacked. And, uh, I think, uh, you know, what, what would happen? What would hap actually happen if I shoot a Frank (laughs) 
right out of the gate, first time ever, day one, uh, and you know, obviously this, the odds are against that, but would, would people hate me more than they already do? Oh, without a doubt, you would be <laughs> loathed by the Michigan hunting community. <laughs> Dan's going to be like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. This looks yeah, piece of cake. Easy. This is easy. There's booners around every tree. Every up here. tree. And then I never could give you shit about Iowa then after that. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I hope for you to have the best luck possible, but that would make my life more difficult if that happened to defend but, myself. But not too much luck, right? Yeah, it's like, exactly. good luck, but please not too much. do me a favor and only shoot like a 120. <laughs> no, what would be amazing is if you shoot a nice buck. And I'm going to be taking a stab at my best buck that first night or two as well. So I'm going to try to kill Tran the first night or two. So you shoot a buck and I kill Tran within the same day or two. And we will have the most epic celebratory podcast of Wired to Hunt all time. Would would this be the podcast where we both get drunk on air? (laughs) Yes, within... Within safe limits, we will definitely do that. <laughs> and yeah, we would have open can policy for the podcast. Oh, nice. What's the uh, what's the beer of choice in Michigan? You should know this, hopefully. Man, it's so diverse, but it have to be a Michigan brew brewery. Uh, so Founders is a great Michigan brewery. Um, so I'm going for like a all-day IPA would be a very good choice or... Another favorite of mine is the Dirty Blonde by Atwater Brewing, which is out of Detroit. Okay. Founders is out of Grand Rapids, where I grew up. So either yeah. one of those would be really good choices. That um, just tells you how different we actually are in almost every aspect of life. <laughs> you know, like here you are, you know, it's like, hey, tell me about a Michigan beer. And you're like, well, yeah, we got all these, uh, these craft beers. It's so delicious and shit. I'm just like, Hey man, I'm going to bring a 30 pack more than likely of Bush light because I've been drinking that shit since eighth grade. Hey man, more power to you. (laughs) Well, I'm pumped about this. I'm very excited. It's gonna be fun. Uh, it's gonna be fun to be able to follow your preparations throughout the spring and summer. And, um, I'm gonna have a hard time not wanting to do drive-bys these places and get you reports. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to leave you alone and not interfere with your planning. But I'm also excited. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong, Mark. You, like help and saying, "Oh, dude, I saw a great deer in this field the other day." Are two completely different things. Like, okay, information is great, but I don't want anybody to hold my hand. Okay, okay, fair enough. We'll we'll find a healthy middle point. Yeah, so just tell me where Andy May hunts and we'll be good. <laughs> yeah. I could point you to a couple spots. <laughs> <laughs> right now he's like, oh, yeah, shit, no, if he hears this, it. he's don't not happy. Don't talk about it. I'm going to get a phone call at about <laughs> noon on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, uh, good stuff. Thanks for taking the time to catch up. Um, be safe. Keep the family healthy. And uh, let's talk again soon. All right, guys, that is it for us today. Thank you for listening. Thanks for being part of this community. And thanks for being part of this larger community we call humans. We call Americans or North Americans, whatever it is, wherever you call home. Make sure you are thinking about others, practicing safe social distancing, being careful not to infect other people, just being safe and smart. That's all we can do right now. And also support your local businesses in whatever way you can. You probably can't sit in a restaurant or go to many stores right now, but place a takeout order or place an online order at a local pro shop or bookstore, whatever kind of thing you want to support. There's a lot of people out there right now that are struggling. 
due to a lot of these current changes and challenges. So uh, do what you can to give back if possible. And until next time, thank you and stay wired to hunt. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more.